You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleveland, Texas and meets on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleveland.com. As some of you know, November is uh, Fostering and Adoption Awareness Month. Uh, And today we are privileged... Uh, and some of you don't know how privileged you are uh, to have in our midst this morning Bishop Blake. Uh, Bishop Aaron Blake is with us this morning. Now, he is a world-renowned, I'm selling you big this morning, all right? He's world-renowned speaker on fostering and adoption. In fact, he was one of the co-founders of, many of you know, the Care Portal. Uh, and now he is leading uh, a movement in our district called Family First. Uh, and he is going to tell you all about that and ask you this morning, where you stand with all of this. So, y'all give a nice Hope Church welcome to Bishop Aaron Blake. I just came unplugged. Oh, did you come unplugged? Technical difficulties, just a second. That's right. You don't want to come become unplugged. Come unplugged. <laughs> How about now? You good? Here, I'll pull that All right, I'm plugged in. All right. (laughs) Y'all welcome Bishop Aaron Blake. Amen. Well, that was a little weak. (laughs) Praise the Lord. One to ten, that's a six. Praise the Lord. All right. Now I feel like I'm in Hope Church, yes. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I told Pastor that uh, he said, you know, you've been to this church and to that church, and, and now you're in Cleveland, you know. And I said, I am so glad that I'm here for two reasons. One is because even your pastor is one of my favorite people he is an awesome, awesome, awesome pastor. How many agree with me? Amen. And the second reason, uh, we've, we've, been, we've been doing churches, what, two months? Every Sunday for two months, our team, Jared and Jesse, wave your hand there, Jared and Jesse, yes. We've been doing churches for two months, every Sunday, and then uh, during the week we've been doing. So this is our last stop for the year. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, but we saved the best for last. So we're glad we're here, yes. And, uh, and with me this morning, she wasn't with me last week, and boy, I felt, I felt like I didn't, I had only one sock on, you know. I don't know if you, or you had mixed max. You didn't know that you had mixed max socks until you, till you got out and the, and the sun hit, and then you said, "I got two different socks on." Anybody ever done that? Don't, don't answer. <laughs> but last Sunday I felt like that because my first wife wasn't with me. Amen, amen. This is Mary. She's my first wife. Wave your hand there, honey. Amen. <laughs> and she, she has been the best one that I, that uh, the best wife that I've had. <laughs> Now, she's the only wife that I've had, so <laughs> we'll clear that up. Yeah. The, I want you, the video that you just saw, I just want you to, to kind of get a little 
little backdrop of, of why uh, we do this. I, I thank God for the, uh, our district, the North Texas district that have stepped up, the first district uh, in, in all of the assemblies that have said that we're going to have a Pacific ministry of orphan care as a department that I know of in all of the, all of the assemblies. In all of the de denominations that, I, that we uh, work with, this is the first denomination that has said, we want a Pacific designated ministry program in our district. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the fact that, that our pastors, uh, like Pastor Todd and others, have stepped up and say, not only are we going to support, but our church is going to become fully engaged in this ministry. And so that is exciting. So why is that exciting? It's exciting to me because in the video that you just saw, it was in a little old church in Brownwood, Texas, and uh, a small church uh, in a county of about 18,000. Uh, we used to play Cleveland Yellow Jackets back in the day, you know. And, uh, and well, uh, back then, when, when yours truly played, <laughs> uh, anyway, we won't go into the, all the details. But in a little old church in Brownwood, Texas, we decided that, that we wanted to do uh, what we are talking about today. And today there is a call to stand. Say that with me. A call to stand. Now, everybody, everybody's not called to foster or adopt. So we want to relieve all of you uh, that are sitting there and said, there ain't no way in the world that I, you know, I, I'm, I'm 172 and I can't do it. Uh, so everybody's not called to adopt, but everybody is called to care. Everyone is called to care. So this, uh, today, I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about a call to care and a call to stand. Now, like I said, uh, this happened in a little old church, uh, and they'll show you this little old church in Brownwood, Texas that I pastored, amen, uh, for 40 years. And uh, a Greater Faith Community Church is where I, I, I pastored there in Brownwood. And one Sunday, uh, we stood up on a on very much like a Sunday, like this Sunday. And I stood up to, to share the, the message that I had prepared, not a message uh, on orphan care, because I had never heard a sermon on James 127 or a sermon on orphan care. Never heard one. In all the times that I had preached, I had never heard a preacher at that time preach James 127. So I stood up to preach, but something had happened prior to that that had triggered my emotions that day. And let me back up and tell you the story. On that Sunday, we wanted we wanted to make sure that we did one thing. We wanted to make sure on that Sunday, which was uh, the second Sunday in November in 2004, we wanted to stand all for the one. See, everybody's not called to stand for everybody, but everybody's called to stand for the one. Everybody has a one. If you don't have a one, before this message is, is over, we want you to have a one. Well, my, my story started with one. There was a young man, I was bivocational, working for Brownwood High School as, as, a, as a counselor, and the superintendent or, or the principal sent a student to my office. He came into my office, and he sat down 
uh, in a chair in front of my desk, and he said to me with arms folded, he said, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to tell you right now, you can't make me go to those classes. Well, I looked at him and I said, well, you know, I don't know why you're here. I'm not a principal. I don't handle discipline. So I don't know why they sent you for not going to class to me. Well, I learned in the process that he had been to five different schools, high schools. And he had taken classes, but every time he moved, he lost at an average of three credits every move. So he did the math. If I continue this process, I'll never graduate. So he said, I'm not going to take those classes anymore because I've had them and I passed them and I should have the credit. The next slide you'll see, you'll see uh, uh, this picture of Melvin. So Melvin sat there and he said to me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to those classes. So I said, well, Melvin, I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what we can do. So you'll just sit here until they go through the process and figure, figure this out and then we'll, we'll see. Well, all the early classes period, the bell rang and they were over. Came to lunch. The bell rang at lunch. He said, you going to let me go eat? I said, no. He said, why? I said, well, because you won't go to class. The second lunch bell rang. Hey, you going to let me go? To no. Why? You won't go to class. By the third lunch bell, my stomach began to talk to his stomach. And Melvin and I said, I said, come on, let's go get a hamburger. We went to the near, near Dairy Queen and we sat down to eat, eat uh, lunch. At lunch, I understood at nine years old, Melvin went into the system with four other siblings. At nine years old, he went from residential treatment center. He went to shelters. He went to three or four different foster homes. He had been bounced from foster home, foster home, treatment center to treatment center. And he wound up at our school. And winding up at our school, this was the situation that he had to where he did not understand why no one in all those years came for him. No relative, no friend, no teacher, no neighbor, no one went to the court, no one went to Child Protective Services and said, we want him. So he sat there with me eating a hamburger, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out how can I help this kid? So we come back, and uh, we come back to the school. I take him through the locker room, and it's, it's something about smelling stinky socks and stuff like that, seeing football pads that make a football player want to just hit somebody. I don't know what it is. He said, hey, if I go to class, will you, will you let me uh, uh, get on the football team? Or will they let me? And I said, I don't know. We'll see. I walk in by the coach's office. Coach came, came out because normally when uh, I, I, I get a kid signed up, they'll, uh, they'll allow us to, uh, uh, the coach will say, hey, you got a football player? So the coach came and I said, you got a football player for me? And I said, no, no. He said, really? Because he, he saw Melvin's biceps and triceps. I said, no, because he won't before I can get go to class. Melvin punches me inside. And uh, I said, well, uh, we'll see, coach. We go into my office. And in my office, I made a commitment. I said, Melvin, I'm going to track down your, your credits. I'm going to make sure the system doesn't fail you as far as education is concerned. I called all the schools. And I said, hey, send me what you have. We're going to average what he has. We're going to put together something. 
So we did. We got Melvin in the, at the right grade level. Melvin gets on the football team. Melvin has a banner year. He was a great running back in high school. And Melvin gets a little girlfriend. Oh, everything's going great, you know. And, and all, all things are going good. That year went by, you know. Uh, Melvin then moves to the next grade level. And then the next year comes. Melvin's doing two a days, finna start the season. And the inevitable happened. Child Protective Services had. Uh, and this next slide, you'll see Melvin's picture. And, uh, and, uh, and that, that'll kind of explain to you a little bit of something uh, there on the next slide. And you'll, what Melvin did in the process, as he came back on the football team, everything going well, and the NL, that's Melvin Johnson. And, and this little one here is my grandson. That, and, and he is a hoot, I'm telling you. And uh, the, uh, leave it there at that picture for just a minute. And, uh, and so the lady that you, that you see standing beside, behind me, that's, that's Mary, my wife. I want you to remember that image. That's Mary, my wife, standing behind me. Remember that image. Tell your neighbor, say, remember that image. Jesus. All right, all right, stay with me. So we go on in the process, and, then, and, and to get Melvin and Claire, everything was going well, and then inevitable happened. CPS called and said, uh, we're coming to get Melvin because something happened with his placement. The principal called me and said, can you come down? We know that you and Melvin are, are have good relationship, and we, we, we've, we fear that something is going to happen. And so before I can get to the office, the worker had come and said, we're going to move Melvin. In the process of before I got there, Melvin gets the, the news. He bolts out the door. He heads out across the front of the school, down the practice field, to the back road, and running as fast as he could. Melvin ran at that time about a 4-7, but he probably ran a 4-2 as he ran away. They told me, they said, we know we feel like Melvin's going to get in contact with you because of your relationship. See, Melvin would use my office as his locker. He had a locker, but he used my office as his locker. And so I had emergency, I had emergency entry door. Now, emergency entry door is similar to your emergency exit door, but in reverse. So any kids that had a problem that didn't want to go through all the secretaries and have a, have a pass and all that stuff, they would come to see me through my emergency entry door. Well, Melvin would do that every period, and he'd come in and, and exchange his books and also steal my sandwiches and stuff. <laughs> so he would do that. So we had this relationship going, you know, already Melvin already picked me out and showed you are the one. I, okay, I, 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 I buy that. So in the process of that, what happened was, Melvin had run away, and they asked me if I would contact them if the, co if the connection happened. That evening, about 6 o'clock that evening, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it because I'm standing here this morning because of 6 o'clock that evening. 6 that evening, Melvin comes into my emergency entry door. I was, I was there uh, working as, as the administrator on call for a ball game that night. Melvin comes in my emergency entry door. He sits down in the chair that he sat down the first day that he came into my office. I couldn't tell the difference between the tears and the perspiration as it ran down his face. 
He stood looking at me what seemed like 30 minutes, but it probably wasn't even 30 seconds. I didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to say. He could hardly talk. He squeaked these words out that has changed my life. And he said, Brother Blake, will you help me? Now, I don't know how you would respond if you had a 16-year-old that mother was in prison, didn't know who his father was, him and all the siblings in, in child protective service care. No family had come to get him since nine years old and he was 16. I don't know how you would respond, but I said this to him. I said, Melvin, if I could, I'd take you home with me. He looked up, smiled. He said, really? I said, if I could, sure, in a heartbeat. See, that if I could was based on this little girl that's standing right. Are y'all feeling me? That, 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 that was the if I could. See, we had, we had, I had, I had six biological children myself, but we had to, they were all gone. We took the, our last baby off to school. And when we took her off to school, we got out of school and everything. We unpacked her. We got to the car and she, and she was crying and we were faking like we were crying. <laughs> and, and we drove off and the, uh, we saw in the rearview mirror, and we were celebrating glory. <laughs> now, I don't know about you guys. How many empty nesters in there? How many empty nesters in there? Now, your children may be in the room, so don't you celebrate too much. But isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that they all go on? And you can go around the house dressed like any way you want to dress. You know what I'm saying? Isn't it wonderful? Now, don't celebrate too much. I know what you're talking about. But we had an empty nest, and a 16-year-old asked, could he come and live with us? My heart was racing 100 miles an hour. I wanted so desperately to say yes, but I knew that if I could. Melvin smiled and said, oh, man, that's awesome. I said, well, Melvin, you have to go with Child Protective Service. I'm going to call them. They're going to come get you. He said, well, great, great. That's fine. I said, now, Melvin, I'm going to call them, and they're going to come. He said, I got it, Brother Blake. That's good. I said, I'm going to call them, and you're going to go. See, I thought he was just saying that, so... He could get out and then run away again. That's what I really thought. They came. Melvin gets in the car. It was, it was, it was dark by then. I watched the taillights as they drove off the campus, down the front of the school, and they drove away. I stood there on, on the curve, my mind and my heart just racing about, Lord, help that child. I don't know what I can do but I feel like, Lord, you want me to do something else. What happened after six, six months or so, I get a phone call. Are you Aaron Blake? And I said, yes. Do you know Melvin Johnson? I said, yes. They said, Melvin wants to come back to Brown High School. Is that possible? I said, oh, yes. I said, Melvin wants to get back on the football team. Is that possible? I said, yes. I said, Melvin has a little girlfriend he wants to see. Is that? I said, yes. I said, Melvin said that you said he can come live with you. I would say, in my mind, no. 
but my mouth couldn't get the words out because my heart was really saying, you got to do something. I said, can I call you tomorrow? I went home that night, and Mary usually uh, listens to me as I regurgitate my day, but that day, that night, she, we had supper on, and she was just going 100 miles an hour that night. I mean, I couldn't get a word, word in edgewise. So finally, I said, to, I said, hey, 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 hey. I said, guess what happened to me today? She said, what? I said, Melvin Johnson. She said, oh, little Melvin? I said, yeah. I said, he said that I said that he could come live with us. What do you think about that? She said, I hope you said yes. I almost fell out of my chair. But I couldn't wait until 8 o'clock came for me to call Child Protective Services. 8 o'clock on the dot, I called and got voicemail. But I called back, and I got the worker, and I said, hey, tell Melvin Johnson that we want him to come live with us. He can get back on the football team. His little girlfriend talks, asked about him all the time. We're ready for him. She said, well, Mr. Blake, are you a licensed foster parent? I said, where do you buy those at? <laughs> Not quite, but almost. I had no clue. We went through the process really quickly. Melvin comes to live with us. Everything going, goes going well. Everything is going well. Melvin gets back on the football team. Gets back with his little girlfriend. Everything is going good. One day I walk out to the practice field like I do every day when I come out of my office. I go to the practice field, watch Melvin practice. He runs over to me with another kid. He said, hey, Pop. I said, hey. He said, this is, this is Joseph. I said, hey, Joseph. He said, Joseph is the foster kid. I said, hey, Joseph. He said, he lost his place, but, but I told him, don't worry about it. <laughs> we got him taken care of. Joseph comes to live with us. Seemed like only a few weeks, to, uh, days or weeks to, later, amen, Joseph and Melvin, after practice, I, I come out at practice, they runs over to me, hey, Pop. I said, hey. He said, uh, this is Buck. I said, hey, Buck. He's a foster kid. He lost his placement. We told him, don't worry about it. We, Buck comes to live with us. A few days later, Child Protective Services called. They said, we love to keep siblings together. And you do so well, Mr. Blake, with, with, with teenagers. Matter of fact, we couldn't license you as a group home. You could have 12. I said, me and those 12 will be on the corner because Mary will put us all out. But Diego comes to live with us. Six boys later, our house is full. So you see why, after I heard their stories, after I would talk to caseworker after caseworker, after I started going to court and then start seeing when parents didn't show up, when they signed away their, their rights as a parent, I would go into court and a worker would get a, a piece of paper, walk it up to the judge, and the judge then would sign to say the parents have signed away their rights as a parent. That kid would be in the system without a family. I would see it over and over. So on that Sunday, stand Sunday, I stood up in front of our church. 
my boy sitting there with us. And I asked him like I did today, like I'm doing today. I asked him, will you stand for 30,000 children that are in the system? That wasn't my sermon that day, but my heart and my mind was locked on my six boys, but locked on the ones that I did haven't met yet. So God began to deal with our church. And let me tell you what God did. Not only was, was the one church that responded, which our church, but I began to wonder, what could God do if there was a circle of care? Just imagine if every one of you in here said, our church is going to be, is going to be involved in a circle of care. Let me show you what a circle of care looks like on this next slide. What God wants is, if we were all for the one, if the child was in the center, in the center, and around that child, you could, you could circle the church. And here's the reason why. Because Jesus took our guilt, shame, sin, and became an orphan so that we could become sons. Let me say that again. As he hung on the cross and he bled and died, he took our guilt, shame, sins, and he became orphaned. You remember what he said? Father, why have you forsaken me? He felt abandoned as God's only son so that he can die and we have a right to the father to become sons and daughters. The church ought to, ought to know what adoption is all about because we all have been adopted. So this message shouldn't be preached by Child Protective Service or a child placing agency. This message ought to be heralded around the world by the church. See, I told our boys, I said, you're no longer in foster care, you're engrafted. They looked at me and said, engrafted, duh. I said, let me tell you what engrafted is. You take a plant and it's planted in the soil, and then as that plant gets nourishment from the soil of this trunk of one plant, and then you cut into the trunk of the plant and you place another plant into the cavity of the plant that you've cut into. I told our boys that you don't look like us. Your DNA is not us. But what, when you are planted into our family, then you are planted into everything a Blake is. Don't you know that God, when he sent his son Jesus, he was cut, wounded, bruised for our transgressions and for our iniquity, and by his stripes we're healed. Do you know that we were engrafted into the body of Christ and that everything that came up from God through Jesus Christ was blessed upon us because we were engrafted? Two words in Christ 
has been spoken over 130 times in scriptures, in Christ, in him, in whom. John 15 and 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is an in ministry that produces fruit that produces to the outside. What God wants us to understand most of all is three things. And those three things is this, is that one, that God has called us to defend. The scripture that I wear on my chest today, it says, defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, rescue the weak and the needed, deliver them from the hands of the wicked. Defend, uphold, and rescue. That's the call of the church. The second thing is that we, we have to uphold the children. In, in Isaiah 1 and 17, it says, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke uh, the ruthless, defend the fatherless, plead for the rights of those uh, widows and orphans. Then we have to rescue them. And that's the call to care. James 1, 27 says, pure and undefiled religion is that we, that we, that we, the church, the church would visit and look after the fatherless. So our call today is for us to uphold, defend, and rescue. So what does that lead us right now? My ask for you today is this, is one that you would pray with us and pray for the half a million children around the world, 140 million around the world, half a million in the U.S. Let's pray for them. They will not be with a family that's their DNA for Thanksgiving. They will not sit, on, sit at Christmas and unwrap gifts from a family that's their DNA. Let's pray for them. The second thing I want you to do is make a commitment that I'm going to do something to care for them. The third thing, which everybody can do, I'm going to give. Whether it's a check, however way you do it, I'm going to give to support those in my church and in my district that does. Father, I thank you right now for touching and moving by your spirit. Bless this church that already is reaching out and loving those through the care portal and many other things. We thank you for the hearts that are moving, been moved upon right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So where does this leave us today? I know many of you are sitting there going, what, what can I do with this? You know, many of you are already doing this and you didn't know it. Uh, your, your tithes and offerings have already been going to support a ministry that we do here called Care Portal. Ronnie Joe, would you raise your hand as you're crying over there? Yeah. How many kids have we touched so far just Care Portal? Huh? 23 so far. Kids, you've affected through Care Portal. So, is that enough? Do we sit here and go, is that enough? No, the answer is no. 
I think, like I told you last week, that God is calling us as Hope Church to begin a movement to change this problem, the child protective services and, and such, in Johnson County. But we need you to do it. We can't do this alone. So as Bishop Blake said, the question is, will you stand? And he, he said three ways. First, obviously, I know you're all going to pray for it. The second is, will you help? Care Portal's a great place to help. And Ronnie Joe, after the service, she's going to be at the Family First uh, booth on your way out the door. She's going to have interest cards. There's different ways you can give. Uh, fostering and adoption, care portal, uh, respite care, different things like that. Just sit in a room with Ronnie Joe. She can explain it all to you. Uh, I'm just ignorant on all of it. I just do what Ronnie Joe tells me. And, but you can also give. So here's what we're going to do. I, I didn't prepare people for it. Gio, will you grab the offering baskets? Gio, will you grab offering baskets and uh, ushers, will y'all come back? We're going to take up one more offering for uh, Family First. Now, this is just for Family First. Can you hit me with the, Amanda, can you hit me with the uh, text to give slide, please, ma'am? I know we're, I know we're messing with some stuff. Y'all just bear with me. I'm throwing something on them they weren't ready for. If you, okay, there's the text to give. So, if you want to give to this offering, but yet you don't have your any cash or check, that's fine. Get on this. Do the 817-369-3702. Put the amount, then put care portal, all one word. Care portal, all one word. And all of that will go to helping with family first, helping with care portal. And guys, I'm telling you what, you'd be surprised how far $2,500, $100 can go. You'd be surprised what kind of deals we can get on things just because we're a church. And I truly believe that we as the church can do a much better job of caring for the, for the orphans than the government can. Because we could do it far cheaper and we could do it far more efficiently. But right now we depend on the government because the church is not standing up. So my question today is will you stand? I'm going to have Pastor Mo come back. We're going to do one more song. Our prayer people are going to be down here at the front of the back. Prayer people, will y'all go ahead and get, get in your place? Ushers, come on down. As the ushers come by you and take up the offering, you're welcome to stand as we sing. The prayer people are going to be down here. But my question for you today is God tugging at your heart. Is God tugging at your heart? Obviously, we can pray. Obviously, we can give. But is God asking you to take this a step further and stand for those that cannot stand for themselves? We already have this in place here at Hope Church. It's very simple as even as getting involved with Hope with Care Portal. That's the easiest way you can get involved. It's very easy. It's just delivering something. Sometimes a family needs a bed. You go deliver the bed, set up the bed, pray with the family, and leave. It's, but it's a great way to share Jesus with those that need it. So my question for you today is what will you do? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you today. We just thank you for the James 1 mandate to care for those that cannot care for themselves. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you would just speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray as we take up this offering, Lord, I pray that you would just begin uh, to move. Lord, help us to understand that we need to stand for those that cannot stand on their own. Lord, we are the church. We are the great hope of the world. And with that great hope comes a great responsibility. 
So, Lord, I just pray today, Lord, that you would just show us how we can step up, how we can stand for you. Show us how we can stand for those that are the least of these. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And, Lord, I just pray today. Lord, if we, of course we can all pray. Lord, if we can't give, Lord, I pray that we would get involved. And, Lord, I pray for those that need the extra tug. Lord, I pray that you would just help them to stand up for those that can't stand for themselves. So, Lord, we just thank you for what you're going to do this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.